I went to school for broadcast journalism. I minored in the music industry because at the time I thought I was going to be a pop singer. Um, so I wanted to have, you know, the education to be able to negotiate my own contracts if I needed to. It was either that or I wanted to be an MTV VJ. So today I'm here with Tiffany Smith, the definition of a modern day Hollywood multi-hyphenate as a popular host, up and coming actress and web personality. After her career took off in New York City, she moved to LA where she has made a name for herself within the geek genre. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. If you're ready to get started. Yeah, let's do it. First off, let's start at the beginning of your journey, but let's like near when you graduated from Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Communication. So just how did this journey in hosting and acting begin? Yeah, so I went to school for broadcast journalism. I minored in the music industry because at the time I thought I was going to be a pop singer. Um, so I wanted to have, you know, the education to be able to negotiate my own contracts if I needed to. It was either that or I wanted to be an MTV VJ. Um, so that was where kind of the broadcast journalism side of it came in. Um, my parents were always really, you know, supportive of the entertainment side of things that I wanted to do, but they were like, you need to get a degree just in case. So you have something and a degree that will help with all of that stuff. Um, so that's where broadcast came in. And like I said, I wanted to be an MTV VJ. I remember being in classes and, you know, the professors would ask like, what is it? What's the goal for you? And Syracuse has an amazing program for newscasters and sportscasters. Um, but at the time really like doing hosting and presenting personality kind of stuff wasn't really as big as it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like everyone was kind of like, okay, yep, sure. Go do that. Um, and I graduated, I moved to New York city and had a reel, you know, like we did newscasts. And so I had clips of stuff, but I was too nervous to audition. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm going to book anything. It's very stressful. Um, so I started working at a modeling agency as a booking agent's assistant and we started sending the models out on hosting projects. And I was like, well, if they can go out and do it. Like I went to school for this. I can do this yeah. um, and started submitting myself and started getting called in for auditions and callbacks and started booking things. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this now is the time. And so like most actors and people doing stuff in entertainment, it was, you know, I, I waitressed, I auditioned, I worked reception at a gym. Um, I was definitely doing the like actor hustle to yeah. try and make ends meet and still be able to make all my auditions and stuff. And, um, I was really lucky because, you know, I, I grew up going to car shows with my dad. And so I started booking things. I ended up working for Ford and doing the car shows for them and traveling for a bit and doing like presenting stuff. And I got to do like intros to games and stuff, which is really cool because I grew up being a total geek. I read comic books, played video games, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just really cool because the hosting side started to kind of tie in with stuff that I already loved and, mm -hmm. you know, ended up doing a job for Activision and the car shows took me back to California, which is where I was, where I am originally from. Mm -hmm. And every time I came out, I was like, I want to work for E I want to work for G4. That's the goal. Um, so I would have meetings every time I came out with talent coordinators, if I could. And, um, it kind of got to the point where they're like, until you live here, like we can't really do anything. Mm -hmm. So that was when I was like, all right, I'm going to step out in faith. It's like in, um, you know, in, uh, Indiana Jones, where he steps out onto the like invisible bridge and you're like, okay, I'm going to take a step and hopefully something's there. Um, so I moved to Los Angeles and 
I ended up getting to work for G4. I started doing stuff on Attack of the Show and X Play. And from there, everything just kind of started rolling where it was, you know, hosting stuff for Fandango and doing genre and action films because they knew that was the stuff I really liked and starting to work with Marvel and then to DC. And it's just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. So why do you gravitate towards this like sci-fi realm and Marvel and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, I grew up reading comics. I, when I was really little, I remember watching X-Men and Storm was kind of the first character that I saw that looked like me or that I felt like I connected with. And my dad was like, well, if you want to know more about Storm, you could read comic books. They're out all the time instead of just once a week. Um, so that was kind of where my comic book love started. And I think like the thing I always go back to is that, you know, any superhero, any character in a comic a lot of times that's the hero the thing that makes them special is the thing that's different about them um Mm -hmm. so I think that if you ever especially when you look at like x-men it's like they're all outsiders so it's like any person who feels on the outside in some way I think there is a character in comics that they can easily connect with Mm -hmm. um and so that was where it started for me and then I I mean I, I just get so much joy like Fast and Furious movies are some of my favorite movies. I know that they're ridiculous, but like <laughs> I would do almost anything to be in one of those movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that also comes down to I, I when I think about the jobs that I say yes to, I I always kind of focus on like, will this bring joy? How can I have this bring joy to people? Whether it's behind the scenes with everybody on set or when people watch it. Um, and I just, there's certain things when I watch it that I like fast and furious or, you know, the superhero films that I just can't wipe the smile off my face. And I'm like, there is something that's so magical about that. And if I get to be a little part of that, that feels incredible. Yeah. So do you have a specific inspiration for what like brought you to that? Or when you were a kid, did someone, you know, introduce you to that world or anything like that? Um, I think when I was little or younger, I think there's always that kind of people always ask like, oh, do you want to do this? Cause you want to be famous. And when I was young, I think part of that answer would have been yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and I look back and I'm like, I'm so thankful that, you know, I didn't have the career that I have now when I was a lot younger, because I've learned so much and I've grown so much that mm-hmm. when people ask me now, I'm like, it's not, it's not about being famous at all. It's that I love this career and I love doing the job. I love acting. I love creating with people. I love spreading joy. And so for me, it's, I want to be successful at the career that I've chosen. And if that has to be a part of it, okay, but it's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the success that I've found in a lot of ways has been because I'm not focused there. I'm focused on what are the things that I want to put out into the world? What are the things that I want to see? What are the things that my friends want to see? What Mm -hmm. are the things that my parents have talked with me about or things that I feel like are genuine to me and my core? And that's always been something that's been there. But I think I I will say this year, specifically when um, Chadwick Boseman passed away, I remember watching videos of him and, you know, I'd seen him talk about this stuff before, but where he always talks about his purpose, what's his purpose, his purpose is to do this and, and seeing the stuff that he created and the impact that he had on people on set and offset and watching his projects. That was something where I really spent the time and was like, okay. I need to get very specific about what is my purpose. Um, Mm. And I think that if anybody takes the time to do that with what is their purpose in life, it it helps to make decisions and keep you on track for where you want your life to go. Yeah. So as I'm assuming there's 
probably quite a few opportunities in the acting world where you do have to say no. So what kind of stuff do you turn down then? Like, it's not really what you want to do. So I guess you would just kind of move away from that. I mean, I think the the acting industry specifically or anything where you have to audition so much it's more of the audition and then you really think about it after when the job is offered to you because I mean realistically it's like I I can't tell you how many auditions and how many times you hear no before you get one yes Mm -hmm. um so if it's something that I'm like you know there's certain projects where I'll read the script and I'm like I just don't connect with this or this doesn't feel like something that if I were to walk onto set, I would be excited to be there every day doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of one thing where it's like, I can't, I can't give a list of things because it's like a gut check for me. It's like, if I read something and I'm like, how's that feel in my gut? How would I feel if I walked onto set? Mm-hmm. How would I feel if I was going and doing promotional stuff for this project? And if I feel iffy about it, that's when I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe that's not for me. And it's someone else's avenue or vehicle for something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's a big thing that I've learned is trust your gut because a project that seems incredible to everyone else, if it doesn't seem right for you, then it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've tried to get a lot better at listening to that voice that yeah. tells me yay or nay. Yeah, exactly. So let's go into your, the series that you're in, how um, Masters of the Universe Revelation started, that came out last Friday. How does it feel to portray the first black character in that series? So what's so cool about the show is, you know, they're the animated series that came out in the eighties. There, there are some characters in the world that are black and diverse, but this character, Andra specifically, she is the first female leading character that, you know, we get to spend a lot of time with her. We get to know her well, in Mm -hmm. even just the first five episodes in part one of the series. And it's when the project came up, when the audition came up, it was a huge, when I say listening to that voice, I was like, it was a huge, yes, you're doing it. You're auditioning. You're going to put all your time into this audition and do the best that you possibly can do. Um, so I spent a lot of time just getting the audition voiceover audition together and finding ways to, you know, make it my own and feel like I embraced the world of Eternia that I knew as a kid growing up to where I am now. I, I talked about this, but like I used my lightsaber that I have on my wall at the end because I had the light. You get lines sometimes that aren't particularly specifically for your character or scenes that are a mix of stuff. So there was a line, the line, I have the power. Um, so I was like, I don't have a sword, but I need something that's going to like make me not feel ridiculous when I say this. So I use my lightsaber. Um, and at the end of it, I like turned it on. I was like, I have the power. Like, <laughs> and, um, I just, I left it on my audition when I sent it in and I was like, either someone, if they get this far, they liked my audition enough that they'll probably think that's cool and fun. Yeah. And if they hear it at the end and they, they are like, that's dumb. They probably didn't like my audition. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, a really special audition for me. Cause I, like I said, was a fan as a kid. I have some of my action figures from when I was little, Um, and again, the fact that she is bringing more diversity into the world is awesome. I, I can't, so I like sometimes can't find the words for it because I know when I was little and watching stuff, there weren't a lot of characters that looked like me, um, or close to me. Um, I'm multiracial. So it's, you know, it's rare that there's anyone on a show that's like the exact same mix that I am, but even someone close. So my sister and I would always watch shows and be like, I'm her, I'm him. And it was always just like whoever you wanted to be. But 
yeah knowing now that like if little tiffany was watching this show and she saw andra it was it it makes me so happy that there's going to be people watching it that either our kids now and are like oh my gosh i can see myself in her in some way or Mm -hmm. adults that didn't have that that now can watch it and be like this is awesome i love that it feels it feels really really special and i feel lucky to kind of get to take that on Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so you also did, you also hosted the after show. So how yeah. was the experience of being an actress in a series, but also being the host of like the whole after party? How was that? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's for me, being a host is something I love. And mm-hmm. when I started doing more acting stuff, I was never in a space of like, I don't want to host anymore. I just want to act um, because I'm curious and I love getting to know people. I love asking questions. Yeah. I think <laughs> the hardest thing for me is now talking about projects that I'm a part of where it's like, I want to ask you stuff. I want to be like, so like, how did you get into doing this? Yeah. Um, and I have to be like, no, Tiffany. <laughs> um, so when, you know, I started doing more acting stuff, I was like, I, I'm excited to get to do interviews on projects that I worked on. And it also kind of gave me a new perspective in talking to actors because I had more of the experience that they have where it's, you know, you might be on set and you're doing a set visit and people are interviewing you and it's like you just did the most emotional scene that you'll do in the whole movie or like the scene right after is super emotional and they're like hey can you just come out and talk about how great the movie is and you're like um can you just give me a beat like I just need to hold on a sec Mm -hmm. um so when masters came up I I'm lucky that I got to work with Kevin on other hosting projects in the past and we did geeking out on AMC together and so when this came up and there was conversation about an after show they were like we'd love to have you do it with us. And I was like, yes, a hundred percent. Um, and the other added part of it that was so great is because, because most voiceover, you don't usually get to record with people, but also it was the pandemic this year. So we really didn't get to meet everybody. So Mm -hmm. I was really excited because I was like a a lot of the first times I got to talk to the cast was when we were doing the after show. And then the very first like long chats was when we did the press day with, um, Sarah and Chris and Tony Todd was a part of that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, now let's kind of move over into movies. So your movie that you did with Lifetime, um, Harry and Meghan Becoming Royal, you yeah. did, you get a, you got a lot of attention for that and you made quite a spark with how, like you're spot on Meghan Markle. So how, <laughs> let's just talk about that experience because I, as I was doing my research, I saw a bunch of articles praising like the job you did. So how was that experience overall? It was an incredible experience. I, I feel like, it was grad school for acting for me. Um, it was my first lead in a feature and, you know, there was so much in that movie where it was, uh, the like sexy scenes, the fight scenes, crying. I had a baby bump. There were dogs, like there was a stunt scene. Um, there was so much that was involved in that movie that for me, it was very much a like, okay, I'm jumping in head first. And then on top of it, it's, bringing someone to a movie that is a real person who is around now, who's experiencing things. And that was definitely a pressure that, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, I did a good performance because of that. And, um, a big piece of that for me too, was that, you know, I doing the research to get to know her more and get to know their relationship a little bit more. It opened up some awesome conversations with my parents and I, because, you know, my parents got married in the seventies in Los Angeles. And like I said, I'm multiracial. And so for them, they went through a lot just to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talking to them and then bringing some of their story 
to what I was bringing to the film was really cool. And also just eye-opening. Cause I was like, wow, that was in the seventies. And there's still, still that kind of energy in the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was great for so many reasons as an artist for the acting side. And then for me personally, um, cause I think another big part of it was that I loved seeing how much good they do, how many charities they're involved with, how much stuff they try and speak up for and to support people. And so that was something I took away where I was like, I really want to make sure that, um, when things come up and I can use my voice that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was, it was a film that I will always be thankful for getting to do. And I, you know, the cast and the crew and their director and everyone I'm friends with all of them still the Charlie who played Harry and Jordan who played William and ours and is playing him in this next one. Um, we all zoom together all the time. Like we've zoomed probably like seven or eight times during quarantine just to catch up with each other. Mm Um, so it, it was an awesome experience for me. Yeah. So you do, I mean, you do a lot of obviously in-person acting and then you do a lot of voiceover acting, I guess you would call it is the right term. Um, we've also done video games. I saw the, that you were hot girl in Lego DC supervillain. So what was was that experience? What was that? Sorry. What was that experience like? And how would you say it's different from acting physically in movies or like being in person and then being the voice of a video game? Like, yeah. So, uh, the Lego DC villains one, I think was my first time doing voiceover for a video game. Cause then I did some stuff for gears of war gears five. Um, and then this show master of the universe revelation being the first one where it was like a mm-hmm. series where I got to be in it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I was definitely nervous the first time I went in to do voiceover. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not somebody who walks around and, you know, I've, I have friends who are incredible voiceover actors. And if you spend any time with people who do voiceover a lot, it's, you know, they'll like just drop into all these different voices as you're hanging out with them. And I'm like, you're so talented. And I don't do that so much. Like, yeah, I'll do like a silly voice here and there, but it's not like a whole other character kind of thing, which I just did there. Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I, I definitely started doing more research, like leading up to that project where I was like, I watched voiceover actors because there's videos online of where you see, you know, there's certain talent who they've done so many roles and they'll videotape themselves in the booth and they'll just go from voice to voice to voice to voice. Um, which is, it's mind blowing when you see them do it. Um, but yeah, so I did the Lego game and then, uh, I just kept, like I said, I kept researching, I kept learning, I kept talking to friends. And then when this project came up, I was like, okay, I need to bring my A game because when I saw the cast list, I was blown away. I mean, it's Mark Hamill, Lena Headey, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Chris Wood, uh, Tony Todd, all these like people that I was, you know, I've looked up to in so many ways and they've done so much in voiceover and on camera. Um, and so I was like, I cannot be the weak link. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so like I said, I definitely practiced a lot. I would read my scripts over and over and kind of come in with ideas, but, uh, because of the hosting stuff, you know, I've got to host a lot of animation panels. So through the years I've become friends with, like I said, people who are incredible in the voiceover world, world, like Roger Craig Smith and Julie Nathanson and, um, John Roca and, you know, just great people where I could reach out to them and ask for advice and say, okay, what do I need to know going in? What should I come prepared for? Like, are there any terms that I should know that people will say that I might not know? Um, And they were amazing at helping me with that. And then 
um, our voice director, Colette Sunderman on this show was so amazing. And I just remember at one point telling her, I was like, you don't have to wear kid gloves with me. If I do something sucky and I keep trying and I'm not getting it, like, just tell me, like, (laughs) I don't, you don't have to be like delicate. I'd rather get it right and get what you guys need to make the show great. than um, you feel like you might hurt my feelings. Um, and that's kind of how I always am with acting on camera or this side of things where it's like, it is such a collaborative art that, you know, I can do my part, but I can't see what everybody else is seeing, or I can't hear what everyone else is hearing. So mm-hmm. when you have a great relationship and you trust the people that are in all those other positions, it's, it makes the project, I think that much better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, comparing the two, it's like, yeah, when you're in a voiceover booth, you don't have to care about what you're wearing or how you're using your body or your face, or if you spit or any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you do have to think about the microphone, you know, because it's, it's when you're doing a scene and it might be in like a horror genre, it's like something scary. And you're like, ah, and you turn away. You'd like scream, turn away. And you can't do that with this. Cause it's yeah. like, you need to be, they need to get your voice. You can't cover, you don't want to cover your face and change the sound. And so it was stuff like that, where I had to become more aware of, okay, I can use my body in different ways, but also I have to make sure that I don't use it in a way that messes too much with the voice. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think it's you trusting, like I said, the, I always go back to my senior year of college, we had to do every position on a newscast. Um, and I learned very quickly that everybody needs to be good at their job. And I don't like, and I'm not great at doing all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's like with a show like this, you know, it, it takes so many people to make the show mm-hmm. complete. And so it was, like I said, trusting Kevin Smith, our showrunner, trusting the EPs at Mattel and Netflix and trusting powerhouse animation to animate it. And, you know, then them trusting me to take this character on because it's, Mm -hmm. she's brand new. The name is from master of the universe world, but the character is new. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much trust that goes back and forth and, um, learning in that way. And then I think you get to a project where it's like, everyone is great at what they do and the product comes out awesome because we all brought our, brought our best to what they needed us for. Yeah, exactly. So where, this is kind of a long-term question, but where do you see your, your career going in five or 10 years? Like, what are your long-term goals? Um, so I, I try and do long-term goals. And then I have like little goals, like here and there, because I think it's, it's one of those things where if you put something so far out, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. But one of those goals for me is I, I, Zatanna is one of my favorite comic book characters and Mm -hmm. it is definitely a dream aspiration will happen that I will get to play Zatanna, (laughs) um, in the film or TV show, whatever they end up doing with her. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's definitely a goal, but I think it's, it's, like I said, I really do like looking at other actors careers and seeing, you know, where they've gone and the things that have happened with them and how they've developed their career. So I mentioned Aisha Tyler. I love the fact that she's, you know, a host, but still acting. And now she's directing and producing and stuff as well. Um, or even people like, you know, I look at Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock, because I love the fact that they started off as, you know, girl next door sweet, and then got to do more and more and more and push themselves even further. Because I think a lot of times, like I'm very outgoing, I'm very bubbly. I smile a lot. Um, so the easiest casting sometimes are the ones where it's like, who are you naturally the most like? So when I look at my career, I'm like, I can't wait for 
people to trust me enough with roles that might seem way, way off from who I am as myself. Um, and dive even deeper into that side of things, but also like, I love developing ideas with friends. I, I, don't see myself as someone who sits and writes scripts, but I do like coming up with ideas with friends who are great writers and being like, okay, let's do, let's come up with a story and then you go write it. And then we'll talk about it. And we'll do a table read and keep working from there. Um, so I, I just, I think the day-to-day goal for myself is one, just to keep finding joy in every single day and Mm -hmm. happiness to be, stay focused on that and grateful for the things that have come my way so far. And, um, just to get to keep working. I mean, yeah. I, I feel super lucky that I love what I do and that I get to call it work. Um, exactly. and that if I can keep doing it, that that's definitely the goal. <laughs> yeah. So let's do one more question. If you, I mean, this is also a hard one because it's hard to pinpoint when you've had so many experiences, but what would you say has been your favorite career experience or opportunity so far? I think that, you know, there's every single project that you do in that moment. You're like, this was my favorite thing ever. Like this was the best thing ever. This was the best thing ever. Um, and if I get to keep saying that, like every new project that I take on is so impactful for me, then that's, that's definitely the way I would like it to be. (laughs) Um, There's definitely moments in my career that stand out. I think one of the the big ones first is like what I said, the like stepping out and moving to LA and having no idea what, mm-hmm. what was there for sure. Um, and like just this week alone was my 11 year anniversary of coming to LA. I'm weird. I don't like doing five and 10. I like doing like six and 11. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so it was my 11 year anniversary of moving back out to Los Angeles and, you know, master of the universe came out. I was getting to host the after show, I had an ADR session for a film that I shot in Hawaii and a photo shoot for that, where I was, I'm the lead in a rom-com. Um, and I got to host a suicide squad panel. And so it was, it was a really cool week to kind of sit down and reflect on how far I've come and the things that I've accomplished and where I want to go. And, you know, it's, it's really cool even just to get to sit and talk with people about Mm -hmm. the projects that I'm a part of. And it also helps to like reflect, because I think that's something that's so important. Cause even, I mean, not to like be the host now, but I'm like, even for you, like if you look at your career where you've gone with the podcast and the things that you wanted to do, it's like, it's, it's not the easiest thing to sit down and be like, wow, I did this and I did this and I did this, or we start to forget. And I think it's so important to sit down and think, holy moly, like how far (laughs) I've come. Like, I mean, I have a first grade photo of me holding a She-Ra action figure. Yeah. Like, and then now to be like, now I'm an adult and I'm, I'm a new character in this world. Like that's insane. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I think that, you know, those, that's kind of the moment this week has been one of those moments for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me. I actually, I really did enjoy this conversation and I appreciate how you took your time out of your busy days. Cause I'm, I know you've been busy this week, so (laughs) Thank you very much again. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh. There seriously, no thanks needed. I, I love getting to do this. Like I said, it's as fun for me because I mm-hmm. love talking about the projects and it's a good, like I said, reflection for me to be like, wow, Tiff. Yeah, yeah girl. Yeah. <laughs> awesome.